Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday to all of you out there in the cancer community and beyond. This is the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell coming to you from the world headquarters in Cape Elizabeth, Maine in my secret under underground lair, as you all know. Um, today, I have the honor of being joined by the Reverend Ian Williams from LaPorte, Indiana. Ian has been living with metastatic liver cancer for more than three years. He's undergone radiation and more than 60 immunotherapy treatments. He is a former pastor at Holy Family Parish in LaPorte, which is a Roman Catholic parish, and he is currently serving as associate pastor at St. Helen in Hebron, Indiana. Ian is the leader of the Indiana chapter of Man Up to Cancer, and we thank him for that. Um, he is, this guy is just a source of encouragement, care, and inspiration for members of our community. And he has also um, been vocal about leaning on that same community for support during his own journey. So Ian, we are so happy to see you. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to be with you today. So tell me about Laporte, Indiana. Um, and is that where you live, even though you're, you're serving in Hebron or did you move or? Uh, no, I actually do live out in Hebron now. Oh, you live in Hebron. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. what is that area of Indiana like? Well, do you ever hear the slogan, there's more than corn in Indiana? There's <laughs> <Why>? not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hebron's one of the many little fly spec towns uh, through the state of Indiana, uh, farming area. Um, yep. So just, you know, good salt of the earth, you know, people. Absolutely. And, and geographically, is that up north as well? I know Laporte is toward Lake Michigan. Sure. Yeah. Northwest Indiana, uh, stone's throw from Chicago. Awesome. Um, and where are you from originally? Sure. Um, I'm actually kind of in my own background, uh, backyard. I, I grew up uh, in this area. Uh, Mom and dad have a little homestead of about 10 acres on the edge of the old family farm. And that's where I grew up. I was blessed in so many ways there. <laughs> Terrific. So did you have a, a siblings, a small family, big family? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm the eldest. Then I have uh, my sister, Sarah, about five years behind me, uh, brother Michael, and then the tail end, uh, Julie, that's about 14 years younger than me. And uh, they're scattered all over the place from Ann Arbor to Boston to Washington, D.C. Wow. And I read that you, I believe you attended the seminary in the 90s? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where did you, Saint where Vincent. Did you, St. Vincent, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, St. Vincent, which is in Pennsylvania, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. It's about an hour's east of Greensburg, excuse me, of uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. And um, yeah, little old Latrobe actually has a fair bit, has uh, the part folks probably don't know is it has one of the largest Benedictine monasteries in the U.S., oldest Benedictine monastery in the U.S., Whoa. and the seminary there, small liberal arts college. Uh, but it is literally the hometown of Mr. Rogers. I've met him in person. 
Oh he, man, I'm jealous he, now. He is exactly <laughs> well. He's deceased now. May rest in peace. Right, right. He was exactly the same in person as he was on the TV show. Uh, I, so that I was, bet a hero that was to cool. so many. That was cool. Oh yeah, I, I grew up watching it. Grew up watching it. Absolutely. And Rolling Rock beer used to be brewed in Latrobe until the big boys took it over. I see. Okay, that's right. I remember that. Thirty three. I don't know what yep. that means, but 30. I don't know. And when did you have your calling to the church? Uh, was it early on in life or? It's something that came to me in high school. The pastor at my home parish um, had made comments to me that I should consider, you know, it's something I should think about, but I, I went off to college. I'm a Purdue guy. Uh, went down to Purdue. Go Boilermakers. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye, so, but we okay, can still okay. be friends. All right. <laughs> um, but throughout college, was really struggling with uh, what was right, what, what I realized was being called into. Yeah. And I actually applied to study for the seminary with the presumption that I would be rejected as an insufficient candidate and I could get on with my life. <laughs> Much to your chagrin, they welcomed you with open arms. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Best thing I did. That's fantastic. And and how old are you now? Uh, 35. Actually, 55. I, I'm like, wow. 35, you did. <laughs> 55, 55. Don't we wish. Um, and how? so how long have you been um, a pastor? I became a pastor out in LaPorte in 2004. Uh, prior to that, I had a variety of uh, assistant um, positions, sure. was campus minister at a high school and different things of that sort. And um, let's jump into your diagnosis story. So um, you were diagnosed, I believe, in the fall of 2020. And, and tell us a little bit about, I guess, what that what happened and what that experience was like for you. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'm one of the many that were caught up with their cancer struggle and the COVID pandemic. I knew, I knew for over a year there was something wrong with mm. me. Oh boy. Yeah. And had not gotten very far, uh, with, with doctors. I did get, uh, scoped and was told that I probably had IBS, um, and given some medicine for that. And then COVID got ramping up. I got worse. And, you know, the story of plenty of you would know of, I would try to get doctor's appointments and you just, you couldn't get near them. Couldn't get near them until finally I ended up in the emergency room in just excruciating pain. And the ER doc, young guy, he thought that we were look. he thought he had an emergency appendectomy on his hands. Uh, and started running tests and uh, gosh, I still, I remember the look on his face when he walked into the, uh, into the back into the bay and, you know, it said that he had been looking at the scans and he said, uh, we're, your appendix is fine, but I saw some other things that are beyond what I can deal with here. I need to get you to a regular hospital. This, this ER was kind of an independent, sure, like a nine bed facility. Yep. Um, so I got sent into a hospital in South Bend and then from there made my way and got in contact with uh, University of Chicago. Okay. 
And I mean, I'm sure the anxiety was high as, you know, what does this mean? Right. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, did you, you, you got some clarification. What, what did they tell you? Sure. Um, initially over in South Bend, um, they, 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 uh, they were kind of struggling. I mean, they identified the three main secondary tumors and did a biopsy on one of them, but their biopsy was inconclusive. And that was the point where I, I was, I was blessed to be able to jump into the U of C system because my dad was a patient with a pancreatic doctor there. Gotcha. So I, I was, I was able to do something that most people can't. I picked up that guy's called his number and said, hey, yeah, 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 my dad's, my dad's your patient. Would you take me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he brought me in, we sat down, he looked over all the scans and things from South Bend and he immediately identified on the scans that what I had was primary tumors in the liver. He said, I'll, he said, I'll have to do some tests to verify this because that's what we're dealing with. And that had metastasized to some lesions near your pancreas at that point. Uh, pancreas, left kidney, and then the third main one uh, is right up underneath the heart. And and you know, obviously, with with me being uh, coming up on my six year um, anniversary of going through this, I I have a story. Uh, most of the people who are listening to this have that <laughs> diagnosis story. I mean. Oh yeah. What 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 goes through your head and your heart at at that moment when you realize your life has changed? Wow. Um a lot <laughs> um a lot of shock. A lot of shock initially just hardly being able to really process anything at first. And uh, just struggling. Feel, struggle. feel that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, struggling to come to grips with the words that they were that they were saying. Um, but I, I, I have a um, lot of really great support uh, support people who rallied around me um, and just kind of made it clear to me that I was going to get through this. Uh, especially uh, my my best friend, uh, individual by the name of Dave, and uh, his wife Marae, who just um, they were like family already, and then they just latched onto me. And, so important, oh, um, you yeah. know, taking me to treatments and listening, and you know, dropping in to just you know, we haven't heard from you for a day. We're going to check on you, and you know, yeah, those kinds of so, so your so your father was going through cancer prior to your diagnosis? Okay, um, good question. I maybe should give in some details there. He had a few years before had a doctor spot something on his pancreas, which turned out to be a benign growth. Good. <laughs> uh, but they they had continued to monitor that growth I guess it maybe benign is the wrong word. It was a potential pre, potentially pre. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's okay. that's what I was trying to say. Uh, so it had been being monitored. Uh, the good news is Dad's been monitored for six years now, and at our last meeting, the doctor said at this point, it's not done anything, and at his age, it wouldn't make any sense to put him through 
pan, you know, the surgery for pancreatic cancer. So that, that is great news. And so did you have any other like frame of reference for your own diagnosis, like family or friends, or like, was it just complete, you had no like contacts with complete shock at that point? Oh, complete shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely complete shock. I mean, from the perspective of my priestly ministry, I'd certainly ministered to and had parishioners going through cancer, coming out Ned, passing from cancer, and so forth. Um, but it's it's a different level when you're the one hearing those words. Yeah, you actually just predicted my, my next question that I had written down here, which was, um, so what was the reaction of your parishioners to your news and tell us how that relationship with them may have evolved because of your diagnosis and going into treatment? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, again, you know, that's an area that I'm, you know, I'm very blessed. My parishioners very much rallied around me, very supportive. Um, you know, I, I continued as pastor you know, for a year and a half or so after diagnoses, because uh, of my my people and my staff were just you know they jumped in and they were taking care of things. Um, people were by and large very supportive. In fact, you know, almost had to beat them off with a stick at times. It's like, no, I, I'm still cooking for myself. I'm still cleaning for myself. I can still dress myself. Uh, you know? <laughs> Um, people want to help there they yeah do, they do. Uh, and especially yeah, there in the midwest you know i mean yeah. that's a that's a whole different thing yeah yeah they I mean there were those that uh, like like i think pretty much all the guys that i've been in contact with you have those that they just can't handle the fact that you have a cancer diagnosis and some people they're not able to they're not able to relate to you anymore I've, I've had friends that have withdrawn, uh, prisoners that stepped away and, and so forth, but sure. that's the minority. That's the yeah. minority. Yes. Uh, and I'm, you know, you talk about you providing comfort and guidance for your par parishioners before you had your own cancer, as they go through cancer or other challenges, you know, really big life challenges and that just brings up, you know, there's so many questions to be asked, you know, I'm trying to make yeah. sense of these things in our lives and, and, and you were there for them. So yeah. on, on the flip side, then have you been able to sort of do that for yourself? And I guess what I'm getting at is like, maybe you could talk a little bit about how your faith informs you about what you're going through and how to make sense of it. Okay. Sure. Sure. Um, first, you know, following up, it has impacted my ministry in deepening it. Mm. I mm. can relate to and reach out to not just people with cancer, but all kinds of chronic diseases, uh, other health issues and things of that sort, you know, on, on a level that I was not able to ever before. Right. And, you know, we'd mentioned, you know, uh, Maggie, my dear friend, Maggie, you and I talked about who's, I lost two sons to pancreatic cancer and the first son was before my diagnosis and everything the second son was with over the course of the past year and i can just see the ways in which my own illness guided me to be able to minister to them totally differently yeah, beautiful differently. beautifully said yeah so that's that is an awesome thing um you know my own faith life um 
my own faith life says to me, the worst this world can do is kill me. And guess what? Eternal life's waiting for me on the other side. Hmm. That's, I mean, no need to elaborate on that, I guess, right? I mean, but it's, it's definitely being huge support, um, being part of a faith community, being a person of faith. And like I said, uh, for me, the end of this world, which will most likely have to do with cancer or complications of cancer is going to come. And so we have, did you, do you have turmoil? Or, or is that I have I, I I'm very much at peace now I've had yeah. turmoil okay oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah I've had turmoil so it was a process uh, a process yeah absolutely and uh, I I reached out um to an individual uh who is a uh you know a, a therapist a counselor uh, did about half a year of therapy counseling with him he's still you know right on my phone I can call him you know whenever and that was also a critical component for me as uh especially as i was going through those initial you know six seven months in of transition and learning about all this wonderful I, and you you're touching on a theme that's near and dear to my heart which is the perils of trying to process all this alone <laughs> um, and some people try that um i would caution against it um yeah, but but yeah. this idea of like you know as humans we we need one another and it sounds like you really yeah. have had the right people at the right time in your life to help you find the peace that you're at now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, you know, and not to, yeah, not, not to give a too much of a blatant ad advertisement, but <laughs> without a question, finding the uh, man up to cancer and support, there was a huge part of that. Absolutely. Um, and I do want to circle on that. I have a couple more questions about, um, your personal, um, life, like before we talk about man up to cancer, which I do want to get to, but you love to travel. Um, a lot of us in man up to cancer followed your f beautiful photographs this past year. Oh, from, well, thank you. Thank uh, you. You went through the Dakotas, yeah. Minnesota, yeah. Wisconsin, yeah. upper peninsula. Like, um, do you do that a lot? And, and was that, was that like you and your dog or did you travel with others or tell us about that trip? Oh, sure. That was a solo trip. Uh, I usually take, uh, one good solo trip each year. I'd like to do more, but you know, uh, my family has always been campers. You know, that's, that's one of my memories as a kid. Uh, we had the, the way back seat in the old, um, station wagon, you know, that's the one that faced towards the back. Oh yes. I, yeah, I so remember I, that I, one. Yeah. I, I've seen great amounts <laughs> of this country from the way back seat. So, you know, I saw it as everybody else was, uh, you know, going forward. The, yep. The, the back facing <laughs> seat of like yeah. the, the big, um, yeah, station, station wagon, wagon with yeah. the wood grain or something mm -hmm, like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got it. You got it. Um, and, and so I, I developed just, you know, a love of travel, uh, but, you know, I, I, I am a very strong introvert. People think, okay, you're in ministry, but you're a strong introvert. Yes. <laughs> Those uh, things I coexist. I, yep. I, 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 I love people, but I also love to get away from people. And I, I yeah, I love just getting out and seeing the country. So, you know, uh, as I was, as it became clear to me that I'm going to be living with this, if you will, the, you know, the cancer. Right. Um. 
I decided that was one of the things that I was going to make a priority. I bought myself a uh, small trailer, not much of anything as bed, sink, little stove, two burner stove works, works great for me. And I just love hitching that thing up and getting out. It, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm just making this assumption. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you, you just seem like the type of person who can really access deep experiences, spiritual experiences in nature. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very much. Yeah. So that's something that you seek out mm-hmm. and it's very peaceful for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it looked like a great, that, that last trip looked like a great one. It was, it was awesome. It was Lots awesome. of wildlife. You, oh, I couldn't. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh Custer state park in South Dakota the amount of wildlife in that place just was incredible. I can see where the early settlers coming to that area were like, we found paradise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is where it is, you know? Uh, Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing it like on your social media and with the rest of us. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, you also have a terrific sense of humor. Like anyone who, you know, engages with you on social media, which is wonderful because right, I'm here in Maine, you're in Indiana, but I've gotten to know you a little bit through Facebook and like your Facebook feed is very humorous. Like one of the, one of the things there was a, uh, like a meme or something you reposted that was said, breaking news, Facebook will begin stealing your undergarments at midnight tonight. If you don't copy and paste this message in the next 37 seconds, forward it to everyone on your mailing list, print and hard copy for your grandmother and call your third grade teacher. And I was busting out laughing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I like all of you, I see those different people, you know, the posts they put up with, you know, you must copy. repost this or Facebook will start using your pictures or whatever. Oh, and I came across that thing and I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's like, you know, people think because we are, we're going through what we go through that, you know, that we can't do that or we can't, you know, that the humor goes away and it's just oh, not no. true. You know, tell, I, I get it. You know, is that part of your joy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without my sense of humor, that's, uh, as my grandma Williams used to say, sometimes you either have to laugh or cry. We're going to choose to laugh. It's wonderful and it's infectious. So keep it up. Um, thanks. I do want to dive into man up to cancer now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before we get, uh, I'm, I am going to put you through three diabolical questions in the gauntlet of random questions. But before we get there, with Man Up to Cancer, you know, I, I want to say thank you for supporting, first of all, for your spirit, your generosity in the Howling Place, which is our Facebook group, where pe- private, where people share what it's like to be going through this. And then secondly, you have really been um, out front publicly on helping us to fundraise for our three programs. So... If you're just listening to our show or learning about Man Up to Cancer, we have three programs. We do an annual retreat for men impacted by cancer. We're going to have our third annual retreat this coming September. We send out chemo backpacks, which are filled with comfort items, practical items for men going through chemotherapy, immunotherapy, other treatments. And then we have our local chapters, which I already referenced because um, Father Ian is is the head of the Indiana chapter. Um, if you're in Indiana and you want to... Uh, join us get in touch with us <laughs> um you can you can start with me trevor at man up to cancer.org i'll tell you where to go um but i just wanted to thank you for that because you're welcome fundraise like we need we need funds to do these mm-hmm. programs that help our men 
Um, mm-hmm. and we're doing really well. And, and you've, you've been a big part of that. Um, how did you, I wanted to find out I, I, how you heard about man up to cancer or got, or got involved with what we're doing. Sure. Post diagnosis or, you know, in the early months of diagnosis, like many, I was, uh, flailing around, trying to understand, trying to figure things out in shock as we talked and as supportive as family and friends were, there was an element that was missing. Uh, there's, there's, there's part of this. They just can't go there. Right. It's not that they don't necessarily want to, but they can't. And so I was looking into Facebook support groups, uh, came across a number, signed up for a couple of them, had uh, another one of our brothers actually saw me posting in a liver specific group and said, hey, there's this new group that's getting going. I think you ought to try it. Yeah. And so I did. And it's interesting because we are such a motley crew, you know, like (laughs) we have, we have guys from all backgrounds, you know, all all faith backgrounds, Mm -hmm, all, all mm -hmm. economic backgrounds. Like it's very diverse. And some people, you know, so like, you know, some might make an assumption that, you know, a pastor might come in there and be a little shocked, especially with some of the language that we throw around, but that none of that bothered you. (laughs) If you could see his face right now. I really think... (laughs) (laughs) oh but but you know what i'm saying like it's um it can get crazy in there and guys but but the thing about it is that's just real like it's guys being themselves it's guys Mm -hmm. being real and i think it's our diversity that you know like you said our friends and family can understand to a point but until you've walked that road it's a hard road right And, and we walk it together as brothers who have it um until you've walked that road you're never, you can't really fully understand that experience. So it's almost like no matter what backgrounds we're from, we come in there and we spe- almost like speak in the same language. Great leavening, leveling. <sighs> yes, exactly. And, and like, oh, you got a scan coming up? Like, yeah, I know, you know, like, or yep, going into treatment. And, and it's, you know, it's, um, the word that comes to mind is comfort. Like there mm-hmm. is a comfort in knowing not that you'd wish this on anyone, but there's a comfort in having others who are walking that road side by side with you. Is that a yeah. feeling that you get when you're engaging Absolutely. with the people there? Yeah, Absolutely. What would you tell? So if someone's listening out there and wants to check us out, like how would you describe the conversations or, or what you get out most, I guess what you get out of being in the group itself? You know, we have that, 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 phrase that we bat around in various forms of, you know, you are not alone. And if I were to make a summary statement of man up to cancer, you are not alone would be it. And that's the, those are the four words that we have in big giant bold letters on our website, because you Mm -hmm. nailed it. Like that is, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because you know with all of everything that i had and like i said i am blessed with so much support especially in the early days of this there was a very deep loneliness that had the potential to lead into fear into depression into despair and it was trying to take me there it was trying to take me there um but i'm not alone 
that hits me deep. Um, you know, anybody that knows my story knows that I went there for some matter of months and it was only through the love of my family and friends that I was able to get out of that pit of despair, really depression, Mm -hmm, despair. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and now I have so many, you know, I've never had more support in my life. And I, I sometimes I, you know, I'll still have my moments, but I don't dwell there like I was. Right. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for describing it that way. And for anyone out there who wants to check us out, we, the doors are always open. Um, are there any, as you look ahead to 24, like it's January, 2024. Um, well, first of all, let me just circle on your cancer. So you are in treatment and what your understanding is, is that you will likely continue to be on treatment for, um, permanent or foreseeable, foreseeable future. Yeah, exactly. Would, it would be unlikely if I were to go off of treatment until the end. Um, I'm, I'm in a little bit of, um, little bit of a spot right now figuring things out actually i have scans on monday you mentioned scans yeah yeah (laughs) so i have (laughs) ct and mri on monday but um i've not actually received my immunotherapy treatment for three cycles now okay one of the things that it can trigger are various autoimmune yep I'm a veteran of immunotherapy yeah. and have yeah. um, permanent, yeah. permanent which, autoimmune stuff you know, going I mean, on. It too. Just, yeah. yeah, which, which, you know, started with uh, joint issues hitting hard and such. Unfortunately, it uh, extended into my uh, colon and um, basically you know, my colon started, my immune system started attacking my own colon. Uh, so right now I have uh, colitis and am being treated for the colitis. Uh, it's starting to even out, um, but we're hoping to get that under control and get me back onto the immunotherapy drugs. But there is certainly the possibility that we'll have to look at different alternatives. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, I think I had a more minor version of that because I, I had, um, gastritis, um, other inflammation in my GI system from the, from the immunotherapy. But I, but now this rings a bell because I remember you mentioning about 120 grams of Of prednisone, prednisone. And let me tell you people, like I went up to 60 to treat, right. When I had the inflammation problems, I, I went up to 60 on that. And that is an experience. So I can't even imagine (laughs) doubling that. Like, I couldn't sleep. You're wired. You're everywhere. Like it's, uh, um, I'm down that, to 50. Okay. <laughs> down Thank, to 50 I'm now. so glad to hear that. Like when I, when you yeah. said that number out there, I was like, wow. So, I mean, clearly you had and have a reaction to the point where they really need to turn to tell your immune system to stand down. Yeah. Um, do you know if it's working or not? The colitis has definitely calmed down. Okay. Um, way calmer to where it was. Uh, it's it's still ongoing. The sy- system is doing better. We actually had planned on ramping me down even further on the prednisone at this point, but we've pulled back and we're holding me at fifty for okay. a while here to make sure things even out. Well, I just, I just, my heart goes out to you and and all the people who love you, and I just wish the best possible 
scans and moving forward. And, and that just leads into my last question, which is when you think about this coming year, like if things can go the way you want them to go, like, are there certain things you have planned or, or goals or like, what do you imagine for this year for you, you mm-hmm, know, personally, mm-hmm. what, what do you hope it looks like? Sure. Absolutely. One of my ongoing goals has been to spend time with my family. Uh, I'm blessed that both my parents are living. I uh, am you know, 79 and 80 years old. They're about 40 minutes from me here. Wonderful. And so yeah. to continue to get out to and spend time with and take care of mom and dad. I mean, ultimately, I'll, t- I'll go ahead and tell you all my goal is to outlive them. Yeah. After they die, it really doesn't matter. Sure. Um, I mean, it does. I don't mean to sound that. No, no. But, I know uh, exactly. I know what you're saying, though. Um, you, you and you're caring for them, so that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, so them, and then getting out to and spending time with my siblings. And I have ten nieces and nephews that I absolutely adore. Uh, they're my life. <laughs> I, I love them. That's awesome. So just you know, getting out to spend time with them and uh, visit them, and some trips. I haven't decided where I'm going yet this year, but get a get a good trip in, and and then here at the you know the parish that I've been at almost a year now, I, I've um, found a nice place here, made a nice place here, and I see some ways in which I can use the ministry knowledge and abilities that I have to um, serve this community in a way it hasn't been served previously, and so I want to do that. Life is good. That sounds great. Um, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. All right, Ian, it is time to put you into the gauntlet of random questions. Uh-oh. I have three questions for you today. Number one, if you had a time machine, would you travel back in time or into the future? Back in time or into the future? Back in time. And w- why? <laughs> is there something particular that you'd um, like to check in on or you know back in time in the sense of i'd like to be able to be a fly on the wall at different things love it and uh yeah get that fly on the wall view of things some things that i had nothing to do with other times i'd like to be a fly on the wall of my own life and be able to you know of course i'd probably be up there you idiot don't do that (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it i think that's a great perspective um, question number two, um, if you could be an athlete in any sport in the Olympic games, what sport would you be in the Olympics for something with downhill skiing, downhill skiing? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm thinking like the plains of Indiana, like where, where does this dream come from? <laughs> well, my one sister used to live in Denver. Oh, okay. All right. And, there you uh, go. So, so you I would a, get out. A connection. Yeah, yeah. So I'd get out there and visit, and we'd go skiing. And uh, uh, this, this, this boy from the flatlands came to love it. Perfect. I can see that. Um, and last one: if you could be any animal in the world for a week, what animal would you choose to be? Oh, my pet dog. <laughs> that thing has the life. I had. I didn't get to your dog during this conversation. So, what's your dog's name, and how long? How old is your dog? Sure. Uh, her name is Bryn. She's a boxer mix, and she's the color that they call brindle. Yes. And that, that's why she ended up getting the name Bryn, the Bryn. from from that. Um, she's a lover girl, a snuggle girl. Uh, she is incredible 
incredibly aware of my emotions. Yeah. Um, you know, back when I was first going through things and my own emotions were on much more of a roller coaster ride, I, I would go into the bath, I would have to go into the bathroom, close the bathroom door and turn the shower on to cry because if she knew I was crying, it got her too upset. Oh, oh my gosh. What a wonderful relationship. And, I, and I'm sorry, how old did you say Brynn is? Uh, she's about, she's about 10. About 10. Oh my gosh. So just a good life. Well lived. Yeah. Wonderful. But um, she's, she's my buddy. She's my buddy. And she would probably get along just great with our chocolate lab. Grace. Grace is a wonderful buddy too. Not the, sh- not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, Grace, but yeah, you know what? Wow. She's, a <laughs> but she's a good girl. All right. Father Ian Williams out in uh, Hebron, Indiana. Thank you so much for your time and your spirit and uh, for all you do um, with the Man Up to Cancer community and for us. We, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Most welcome. Thank you for having me. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.